you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open them to the third gospel, the gospel of Luke, specifically chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Last week we looked at "'Twas the night before Christmas." Today, "'Twas the day of Christmas." Luke chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, the words of Dr. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, speaking to those of his day and speaking to us this morning. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Verse 12, and this shall be a sign to you, an affirmation to you, a revelation to you, a confirmation to you, that he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes, and you shall find him in a manger. When we see something over and over and over again, when we hear something over and over again, when we experience something over and over again, there is a great danger that at best we're going to treat those things casually, at worst we're going to treat them with contempt. I say that to say this, I believe the Christmas story is somewhat like that. Most of you have seen, heard, or experienced in some way, shape, or form all of your life the Christmas story. You've, you've heard it taught, you've heard it preached, you've heard it sung, you've seen it in, in some type of drama. You've been saturated with the Christmas story. And because of that, when we hear about it again, it tends not to get into our mind or into our heart. It just kind of bounces off of us like marbles off a brick wall. Most of you right now, you know the story of, of Gabriel, the angel, coming to visit Mary. You know of Joseph and Mary's engagement. You know of the shepherds. You know of the innkeeper. You know of King Herod. You know of Simeon and Anna. I don't know that there's anything I can tell you about them that you haven't heard already time and time and time again. You know those things like you know the back of your hand. And for that reason... Much of what's said oftentimes when we're in this kind of season just goes in one ear and out the other and never stops in between. We just kind of block it out, shut it out. Because after all, we've heard it so many times before. Last week, we tried to let you look at Christmas from a different perspective. I don't think some of you had ever understood that Jesus was thinking about Christmas ever before he came into this world. 
Christmas according to Jesus last week. We looked at how Jesus, the night before Christmas, was thinking and feeling about certain things. He was thinking about how he was going to come into our world. He was going to leave his world where he was God. Always has been God. Eternal God. To come into our world. Specifically our world at Bethlehem. Specifically through a girl by the name of Mary. How his beginning as a man was going to take place. And we also talked about how he wasn't so much thinking about the cradle as he was thinking about the cross. Most of us don't know what lies ahead for us or our children or our grandchildren. But Jesus knew what lied ahead for him. He knew what the prophecies were. He came to fulfill them. Not to do his will, but to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was before the foundation of the world, a lamb would be slain for the sins of you and I. And that lamb had a name, and his name would be Jesus. So the night before the first Christmas, before God will become a man, Jesus will leave heaven and come to earth. He's not so much thinking about the incarnation as he's thinking about the crucifixion. It's amazing how that baby that was born the first Christmas would be the Lamb of God who would die on the first Easter. But Jesus was born to die. What I'd like to do this morning is perhaps present Christmas in a different way as well. Maybe take you off the beaten path so you might actually see something you've never seen before. Or heard something you've never heard before. Or maybe even have an experience that you've never had before. To move you forward a little bit in the Christmas story. Once again, Luke chapter 2 verse 12 will be our one verse. We're going we're gonna to look at the Christmas story from one verse. Last week we looked at it through Jesus. We're going to look at it through one verse today. And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe. Pay attention to that word, babe. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now that word babe that's in many of your Bibles actually translates infant. Better translation, newborn infant. So we're not talking about a two-year-old baby or a three-year-old baby. When it says, this shall be the sign, you shall find the baby, the infant baby, the newborn infant baby, What is Luke telling us? That Jesus was going to come into the world in the regular way. Now think about it. His conception was supernatural. God impregnated Mary. Not Joseph. God impregnated Mary. Supernatural conception. But Jesus was going to come into the world from that conception through the natural birthing process 
that a woman brings babies into the world with. See, Mary, when she gave birth to Jesus, would do it the way that many of you ladies have given birth to your children. It was going to be a long process. It was her first baby. It was going to be a painful process. It was going to be a tiresome process. This wasn't just something that happened just like that. Jesus just didn't appear out of the air. He just didn't, she just didn't spit him out, you might say. This was a, a labor process, a birthing process that probably went on a considerable amount of time. As Jesus is leaving heaven and entry into this world. Now I want you to think about it. There was no doctor there for her. There was no nurse there. There was no midwife. All she had was one scared husband named Joseph. And I'm sure he didn't even know what to do. And I don't know if Mary knew what to tell him to do. These were just kids. But baby Jesus, God in eternity was about to become man on earth. What Luke is telling us is this. Baby Jesus was a legitimate human being. His conception was supernatural, but the birthing process that brought him into this world was totally normal, totally natural. Jesus was 100% God in heaven, and now he was coming to earth, and he was going to be 100% man in this world. Two natures were about to come together in one person. Jesus wasn't a 50-50 man. He was a 100-100 man. 100% God, deity, 100% man, humanity. And there's a reason for that. I know a lot of people don't like doctrine. They don't like theology. They don't preach it anymore. They don't teach it anymore. Everybody just likes to have fun, fun, fun. They don't like to think about anything serious or any depth to it. Why is it important that Dr. Luke mentions that you're going to find this baby, this infant, this newborn child who came into the world through a natural process, though he was conceived supernaturally? Why is it necessary to say that? Because he wants us to understand that when God is looking for a sacrifice for our sins, a once and for all and forever sacrifice, no more bulls, no more goats, no more lambs, no more pigeons, no more having to do it every week of every month of every year over and over and over again. God wanted to end it, and he was going to end it with his son, the Lamb of God, Jesus. But Jesus had to qualify legally, and justly. You see, not just anybody could do this. Why couldn't Abraham do it? Why couldn't Isaac do it, or Jacob do it, or Joseph do it? Why couldn't Elijah do it? Why couldn't David do it? Why couldn't Moses do it? Why couldn't the Apostle Peter do it or the Apostle Paul do it because as good a men of God as they were they were all sinners 
They were born with the flaw of sin. They came from their parents who came from their parents who came from their parents. They were sinners by birth. They became sinners by choice. And though they were good men, they were godly men, they were still sinners. And listen to me, you cannot save the human race by being a sinner. You have to be perfect. You see, God has a law, and legally, the Savior, the Lamb of God, who will come into this world, He has to be perfect. There's only one who's perfect, right? Who? God. God. And so Jesus, who is God, the second member of the Holy Trinity, the second person of the Holy Trinity, He takes on flesh. So little baby Jesus, who comes into the world, He's perfect. Absolutely perfect. There's no flaw. There's no fault. There's no spot. There's no blemish. He has no sin. And he'll never have any sin because he's God. He never thought sin. He never felt sin. He never spoke sin. He never did sin. He never lived sin. He was absolute perfection in a human being. Judiciously. Legally. He could now qualify to be the Savior. He had to be perfect. But he also had to be a what? What are we? People. He had to be a man. That's why Jesus had to give up his deity for just a brief period of time. And come to this world and take on humanity. Because the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world once and for all and forever. He had to judiciously, legally, he had to be perfect. Therefore it had to be God to do it. But he also had to be a man. Animals could not atone for the sins of the human race. A man would have to do that. And he would have to be a perfect man. And that was Jesus. Now, do you understand why this took place? There was no other man to do it. So God became man and did it himself. And as a perfect man, as one who could identify with us, he could rightly, legally, justly pay for our sin. Just as God's will and God's plan was from the beginning. I want you to listen to this now. There are some people who teach today that Jesus was 100% God, but he was not 100% man. There's others who teach that Jesus was 100% man, but he was not 100% God. Extremes on both sides. Listen to me. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. He was two natures in one person. If you do not believe in that, you're a heretic. You're an infidel. You're not a person of faith. You can't change who Jesus is to fit your own ideologies. God tells us who he is and we just amen it. So Luke begins by telling us, That Jesus, the perfect man, became part of the human race. The natural way became part of the human race. 
at Bethlehem that first Christmas. But secondly, now let's move on. You shall find the babe wrapped in silk sheets. No, in swaddling clothes. Baby Jesus was a human being, but baby Jesus was also helpless. He was also helpless. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why was he wrapped in swaddling clothes? Because Mary didn't have a blanket to put her baby son in. Joseph and Mary were very poor. They didn't have a lot. And so when Jesus came into the world, he came into the world with no clothes, as most babies do. It was chilly that night. And she needed something to wrap her son in. And all that they could find was swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes were pieces of cloth that were normally used in the burial of a person. They would wrap the cloth around the person and they would become almost like a mummy. Swaddling clothes was the fabric that was used to wrap a dead person up in preparation for burial. Whenever they had any leftovers from any particular embalming, they would then throw those scraps away or give them away to people who didn't have anything. So swaddling clothes are in the barn where Mary gives birth to Jesus. They're used, they're dirty, they're threadbare, but that's all she has. The leftovers from somebody's embalming, somebody's burial. And she wraps Jesus like a little mummy from his feet all the way up to his head to keep him warm. I wonder if this isn't just another reminder that the one who came into the world to live actually came into the world to die. That the cradle and the cross almost touch when you look at Jesus' life. Because the Bible tells us that when he was put on the cross, he was bound, was he not? He was bound by his wrist and by his ankles. He was bound when he went through the mock trials where he was beaten. The one who came into the world and was bound with swaddling clothes, which associated in that time with death, 33 and a half years later, he's going to be bound again. This time, not to swaddling clothes, but to a cross. And there he will die for you and I. I tell you this, every step of Jesus' life, he walked under the shadow of the cross. Even as a baby, he was wrapped in something that would suggest what was going to happen to him later. Lastly, Dr. Luke is presenting to us some things about Jesus that are good. He says, I, he said, I want you to understand he was a part of the human race. He was 100% humanity. He was 100% man. 
Long before that, he was 100% God. 100% deity. And when he came into the world, he came helpless. He, he was born into poverty. He had nothing. And the only clothing that they could put on him that first Christmas was swaddling clothes. Again, associated with embalming and burial. And then lastly, notice it says they found him lying in a manger. He was born in humility. He was born as a member of the human race. He was born helpless, bound as he would one day be bound when he leaves this world. And he was born in humility. I like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. Speaking of Jesus, it says he made himself of no reputation. He took on himself the form of a servant when he was made in the likeness of men. Jesus was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You would think that he would have been brought into this world from a fancy hospital or from a presidential palace or from some other sordid type place. But when he came into the world, he was actually born lying in a manger. He was placed in a barn. A barn that was dirty and smelly and nasty and cold. You see, the Christmas story is so polished today that we never really think about what it was like. Joseph and Mary by themselves with a bunch of barnyard animals. That young man is frightened to death. He don't know what to do. And Mary doesn't know what to tell him. And Jesus is coming through the birthing process. They have no outfits for him. There was no baby shower for him. They wrap him in swaddling clothes. They don't know where they're going to stay the next day. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. The media's not there. There's nobody from the radio station there. There's nobody from the television there. There's nobody from the newspaper there to cover this event. There's no halo on Jesus' head. He's not supernaturally going to be taken care of per se. There's no angels that are visibly present. There's no choir singing in the back, silent night. There's no politician there trying to rough up some votes. There's no ticker tape parade. What a strange way for God to enter the world. To enter the world in absolute poverty in a stable witnessed by animals. was born dirt poor, a nobody. He came to die for everybody. I like that, a nobody who came to die for everybody. That whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what do we learn from verse 12 as we close? Jesus became like us that we could become like him. He came to die in poverty so that we could live in his riches. The king of kings became a peasant. 
The Son of God became a son of Joseph and Mary. The one who sat on the throne in glory was placed in a feeding trough in Bethlehem. The Lord who was adored and worshipped by the angelic host in heaven would come to this world and be mocked and despised and rejected by the very people he came to save. Herod wanted to kill him. The religious leaders hated him. The innkeeper was disinterested in him. And the common people were clueless about what was taking place that first Christmas right up under their noses. It's interesting that only the lowly shepherds figured it out. And they came and they rejoiced and they worshipped him. The one who wore a white robe in heaven would be wrapped in grave clothes down here. The one who was God's lamb would become Mary's little lamb. The first Christmas was the beginning of the end for Satan and his dominion over this world. The Savior was born. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.